This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's Fox Top 5, the podcast where the hosts always agree to disagree. This week on Fox Top 5, Alex Hogan. That could be another issue we could leave behind. It didn't make my list, though. And Benjamin, Benjamin Hall. Hall. How am I so different to people out there that I think that they think that's a good idea and I don't? I don't know. Come together to share their top five things to leave behind in 2021. Here are this week's hosts, Alex and Benjamin. Welcome to Fox Top 5. I'm Alex Hogan, Fox News London-based correspondent. And today, I'm joined by my colleague and friend, Fox News State Department correspondent, Benjamin Hall. Hey, Alex. How's it going? It's good to be with you. How are you doing? Yeah, really well, thank you. And I don't think there could be two better people to do this, actually, because I've just left <laughs> London and you've just moved to London. So I'm really curious to see what it is you want to leave behind about America <laughs> and what it is that I want to leave behind about the UK. So uh, yeah, if you've got we've any of those we basically traded continents. Yeah, exactly, yeah. For anyone who hasn't heard this podcast before, every week, Fox hosts, reporters, and personalities, they get together to share their top five of really any given topic. Now, this year, it's gone by pretty quickly, and I'm sure we all have a few things that we would like to leave in 2021. And whether that be events, words we're sick of hearing, or food that we're tired of eating, by the end of the year, most people are ready to leave some things behind to start a new year. So today, we're talking about the top five things that we would want to leave in the year 2021. So, Benjamin, how did you come up with your list of five things for this topic? You know, by the very nature of our jobs uh, requires us to look around the world at some of the worst things that go on. You know, foreign correspondent, State Department correspondent. And so I started off with a list of those things. And then I thought, people don't really want to hear me bang on about really in-depth um, foreign policy disasters. So I was, I thought, I'll mix it up. I'll get a few of the serious ones um, and then also a few, hopefully, of the more lighthearted ones. Because I'm generally... Someone, I love it. I, I'm someone who's got a lot of pet peeves. You know, people behave the wrong way or they don't do the right thing. It bothers me. Um, <laughs> so I, I stopped at five because that was the, the name of the podcast. But I could have kept going with a lot more. You know, it says a lot about someone when you know their pet peeves. So I'm very excited to hear these. Number five. Well, so I was thinking about London. As I said, I've just moved from London to D.C. to take this new opportunity at the State Department. And look, I was born and raised in London. Don't get me wrong. There are lots of things which I prefer uh, and love about London that I dislike. But there are some things which I'm happy to see left behind me when it comes to London. And I think most of all, it would just have to be the food and the weather. Now, I mean... (laughs) I, I've just moved over to, to D.C. and I am in awe of the blue skies, the sun coming out, the changing colours uh, of, of autumn as I've seen it. And I just didn't realise uh, how lucky so many other people in the world had it when it came to, to the weather. So uh, those are some things I certainly would leave behind. And then when I'm talking more about London and the U.K., uh, and I think this probably goes for any country, incompetent politicians. I got to say I was a bit fed up at looking at London and just thinking, my goodness, look who's running the country. 
country now. Um, so uh, I've been following a little bit what's uh, been happening in London and to hear that uh, Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, was hosting a great big party in Downing Street last year at the height of the Christmas lockdown just made me realise how pleased I was to have moved on from from him. That being said, I've moved across the pond and we have equally incompetent politicians running the country here. So I'm not sure I've replaced one with anything much better. And then lastly, <laughs> to do, lastly, to do with Europe, uh, or London, uh, living next to Europeans. I'm very happy that um, we don't have to put up with our neighbours and colleagues across the uh, English Channel. Why is that? <laughs> and of course, I, having said that, I realised that you were born and raised in Switzerland. I so, am, so I'm deeply offended. <laughs> Kidding. Uh, so, uh, you know, we've had a long rivalry going back hundreds of years with the Europeans. And frankly, the French in particular just wind me up the wrong way with their arrogance and their uh, and their posturing. So those that's that was, <laughs> that was probably more like um, six or seven answers. But that's my first one. The things I was happy to leave behind when I moved away from London and to America. Oh, all valid things. And I'm sure I will be texting you nonstop of things I need to know now that I live here myself. Um, mine. What's, your, what's yours? Not so, much, not so much about the U.S., but I think the first thing that I, in looking back this year, realized I'd love to leave behind, and of course this is not possible, but natural disasters. We've seen so many this year from the recent catastrophic U.S. tornadoes to wildfires out west, the floods and landslides in British Columbia, the deadly floods in India, the earthquake this summer in Haiti. And, and you and I, we cover so many of these events and we see people's lives are completely upended with no warning, no preparation. And this was a major conversation that I talked about with people covering COP26. There are so many amazing organizations that are helping and are bringing humanitarian aid. But I wish, if possible, we could find some way to kind of heal that heartbreak and relieve the financial burden that so many of these families will have to bear realistically for years to come. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at the the tornadoes that we've seen here in the US over the last few days and you think 11 days out for Christmas, it breaks mm. your heart that these families have lost not only loved ones, but their whole livelihoods. And yeah. uh, so I just encourage anyone, there are a lot of really great funding sites out there to go and help some of these people get back on their feet. Um, and if you can do that, then and a few dollars goes a really long way. I think and the other remarkable part of that is that there's so many families now who are opening their homes saying, hey, I have my power back on. I didn't lose anything or I didn't lose everything. And they're welcoming strangers into their home ahead of the holidays. I think it's a beautiful message. Absolutely. And I think it's one of the things that you and I get to see. We're very fortunate to see this firsthand is just how amazing uh, society and, and um, different communities can be when they're faced with adversity. They come together. We are. You know, yeah. there are some incredible moments of absolute joy in some horrific events. And I'm willing to say, though, that it does look as if some of these extreme weather patterns are only going to get worse uh, as we sure. go in, in the future. And uh, so, unfortunately, I, I think we will be covering more of them. And I think we're going to have to change to figure out how to cope with those. And one of the ways is by downloading the Fox Weather app, which can tell you exactly what's <laughs> coming down. And uh, again, great plug there. there. Exactly. Thank you. All yeah, right. no, I think that's very true. So tell me what's your next one. Number four. Well, it's a, it, I know it's one that's going to be on everybody's list because it's to do with COVID. Um, but very specifically, it's mandates. You know, I, I look around us and I feel even though we've had this new uh, Omicron popping up, uh, which is a lot less severe than previous variants, I, I just think that mandates in particular and the control over our lives needs to stop. We're grown ups now. We've done everything we can as a community and a society to give vaccines um, um, and to help treat this. And 
uh, you know, the fact that I can't go certain places with my, my own children, the fact that I am limited to where I can travel and I'm told what to do, I just think um, has to, we have to move on and we have to get back to a place where it is personal choice and that we must be trusted by our governments to make the right decision because it's not for the government to tell us how to live our lives anymore. And I appreciate what they've done and getting the vaccines going. And, um, but it's been long enough now that we have to move on. And as we head into 2022, you know, we need our lives back so we can start repairing the, the damage that has been done to businesses and relationships and uh, everything else, mental health that has, that has happened as a result of COVID. So uh, mandates for me and the government control, I think needs to be stopped, needs to, needs to end. Mine is somewhat similar in that I wish we could leave behind these COVID scares. It seems like it's this perpetual revolving door that we just cannot seem to get out of. It's either new variants, changing restrictions, the fear that people have of contracting COVID-19 either for the first time or again, regardless if they've had their vaccines and their boosters and wearing masks. And then also the stigma that people have of coughing or sneezing and worrying that everyone around them thinks that they might have COVID-19. So I, I hope that there's some way that we can leave some of these COVID scares and stigma behind and and just get back to life of, of having gatherings and going to weddings and not feeling guilty. Yeah. And hopefully, uh, again, we have incredible scientists who have paved the way for us to be able to see loved ones again. And I just hope that we can continue down that road. A perfect example, this Omicron variant, which came out of Africa. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that the administration here in the US did was ban travel from eight African countries. We didn't know a thing yeah. about it. And we effectively punished South Africa for being really a- a- effective at discovering this new variant. And it just felt now that we know more about it, we know that it, it shares a lot of uh, genetic similarities with the common cold. It's mm-hmm. more transmissible, but it's certainly a lot less um, deadly. And yet the overreaction uh, of governments around the world was absolutely remarkable when it did that. Yeah. Um, I, I found that absolutely baffling. And uh, I understand some people, if they're afraid, overreacting. But for governments to do that, uh, I felt was really short-sighted. Yeah, and the UN did come out as well, urging administrations not to do just that. And I think we've seen some governments slowly start to pull back some of those immediate restrictions. Switzerland, for example, they had a 10-day quarantine that they had an effect for basically anyone vaccinated or not. And they have lifted that. So hopefully we'll see more governments in the coming days and weeks uh, begin to take a look at some of the new data coming out as we move forward. What I can't believe, though, is that there are a few people that you meet out there who actually don't want to see those reversed. I meet a couple of them every now and then. I just don't understand it. Like, no, no, no. We need to double down on the masks and the mandates. I'm like, who? How, how am I so different to people out there that I think that they think that's a, a good idea and I don't? I don't know. Baffles me. Yeah. The pandemic really has put a magnifying glass on the different perspectives that people can have when we're all looking at the same issue and how many different ways we can all view the same problem. So uh, that again, that could be another issue we could leave behind. It didn't make my list, though. Number three. Next up. Now, I have a kind of a personal one, but babies. All right. Now, not, <laughs> not, not because I don't like babies. I have three babies but because for the first time in five years, 2022 is going to be a year without a baby for my wife and I. And we've both been saying to one another how happy we are that after five, almost six years, there won't be a baby in the house. And we can maybe go back to getting our lives back, a little bit of our social life back and going out and doing a few things. Because honestly, when you've got a baby, it's the whole 
it's everything for you and you know you dote on them and they keep you up and they're wonderful and i love babies but we're actually really pleased that for the first time in a while we're a household without a baby and uh (laughs) we're going to embrace it and uh we're going to see if we can't keep living a little bit again so um that was just something which my wife and i've been talking about how pleased we were that there would not be a baby for a little bit anyway uh in (laughs) in the whole household (laughs) I can I can easily say that was not something I would have guessed would be on your list, but I think that's um, it's great. It'll be so wonderful for you and your family to be able to explore this new chapter now. Your three beautiful daughters, and um, and it'll be really exciting for them to make those new memories with you now. Well, that's right, and it comes at a time when uh, we are moving country, and mm-hmm. um, you know if you have to put all your focus into a, into a new member of the family, then maybe you, it'll be harder for some of the others to fit in during this transition. That being said, Alex, um, uh, a couple of years ago, when my wife and I were talking about the possibility of moving countries. She said, "If we do, I'd like to have another baby." So, I <laughs> I, I don't know if that conversation will come up. Once we've all moved over, I will let you, you know and see, and see whether we do another podcast in a year's time, how I feel. And then you'll say no babies once again. Uh, maybe you're jinxing yourself, but we'll see about that. <laughs> all right. Um, what would be another one of mine on my list? I think we've talked about COVID scares, but I slightly different topic here. The border crisis. I have just seen so much struggle humanitarian issues people having to deal with and i spent about a month and a half in 2021 covering the southern border and living down there talking with people about the dangerous journeys that they've made for months or even years and at the same time it's taking border patrol away from their families to work overtime processing new people coming across the border and that's not an issue that the u.s alone is facing we're seeing the border crisis on the Poland-Belarus border. Here in the UK last month, there were 27 people who died just in one day alone by trying to cross the channel, which is the body of water that separates France from England. So if I could somehow wave some magic wand, I would love to find a way for be it leaders or organizations to tackle some of this growing humanitarian displacement, which unfortunately, as we talked about when it came to climate issues, I think we'll continue to see this issue only get worse. Absolutely. And it's a really interesting one because there are two ways of looking at it. One is to address the root causes. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously over here, we've got uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, who's in charge of it. She's been down in Guatemala um, and other parts of Central America effectively saying, look, we've got a multi-year plan and uh, pledging billions of dollars, which may well help in the long run, but doesn't help the immediate problem that we're facing right now. And so it's got to be two-pronged. It's got to be, yes, we all, the problem, by the way, of going down to a Central American country and just giving billions of dollars is that they're so corrupt in many parts that it, the money doesn't get to the people or solve the, the root causes as it should. But so you've got that. You do need to address those. Uh, stopping conflict, as you would say, in Syria or other parts, that's what creates the European mm-hmm. problem. But you also do need to make it very clear, I think, that it's not a free-for-all, that um, it, you come, but you have to come the right way. And if that message isn't conveyed clearly enough, then I understand why people are going to do everything they can to get into the country. And that has a knock-on effect on the people who live in that country as well. So it's a really, really complicated issue. Um, but It is. Need- and it's one of those issues that your opinions can vary so much looking at it from an outsider versus talking to someone, talking to a politician. Again, everyone has such a different perspective. And it's the battle of trying to find room at the table to get those discussions across.
Exactly. So a combination, I think we both agree, of enforcement combined with, uh, you know, dealing with the root causes and trying to, to improve conditions for people all around the world. Yeah. Well, I took yours to a, a slightly darker note. <laughs> I want to pass it back to you now and uh, give me well, your, no, your next one. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Number two. Well, let's see. My next one uh, was uh, social media. Social just, media. Yeah, I can't stand social media. I am on Twitter and Instagram, but um, you know, after the year we've had, which has kept people apart from one another, and, and um, I think we need to not ditch it altogether, but we need to remember to go out and see people and talk to people and experience the world around us. I've actually this has been if I would if I had drawn up a list for the last five years, this would have been on my list every year because yeah. I just think that um, you know. <laughs> More and more, and as a father, I am increasingly concerned. My my three daughters are very young, but I don't want them to grow up in a world where you just interact with people online. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want them to appreciate just how beautiful the world around them is, not seen through a filter, and um, and go out and live it. And, and as I said, um, with the pandemic and being cut off from people. We need to get out. And you hear horror stories about people finding their ways. This is diverging away from social media, just to internet in general. But how people have spent, found solace on you know, chat rooms, which often are not beneficial to them and actually have really negative impact. So put down the phones, put away the laptops, get outside, play some sport, go meet some friends. Uh, and just remember that experiences are, are best shared with other people in the real world, not on a screen that you're looking at. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. And you do see that anywhere you walk, anywhere, any subway you're on, any train, any bus, everyone around you, they're all looking at their phones. And it's it's much more difficult to meet people now than I think it was even just before the pandemic, because people are slightly afraid of talking to strangers. And we've spent the last two years looking at phones and looking at social media that it's become part of our, if anything, muscle memory of how we sit. We, it's so natural just to grab the phone when you're sitting down rather than just sitting there and maybe grabbing a book. Absolutely. I think you can, there's actually a, uh, it counts on your phone, how often you pick up your phone. And so you can sometimes, you know, you'll figure out that you've picked up your phone 50 times Mm-hmm. In a certain space of time, but you haven't actually looked at anything. We just yeah. pick it up and click it, and then for no reason, just because we're so attached to it. And um, you know, I'm quite pleased that I'm sort of married with children because I don't know how the dating world would work in the era of social media. It's like you're you're weird if you go up to someone and speak to them in person now. Um, <laughs> so again, I don't envy that. And uh, the uh, the online dating, um, I it's brought lots of people together. That's a wonderful thing, but. Um, you know, it's a different world. I feel like it's, I sound really old and like an old man. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I feel like I sound like a grouch for some of these, but my next one is airplane violence. We've seen so many attacks of people either harass flight attendants uh, or attack air marshals. And look, I get that some people are stressed out on planes, but this is a complete disregard for civility, kindness, uh, consideration. Some people they're headed to business trips. Some people are going on vacation. Some people are going to funerals. So for someone to upend a flight, it completely goes against any kind of, again, consideration of other people around them. My mom used to be a flight attendant. So I know how rude people can be to um, these hostesses and pilots in general, air marshals. But this kind of violence, it's just 
completely unacceptable behavior. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, they stopped serving alcohol on planes, didn't they? They did. And they, then, did. they were concerned that that was triggering uh, some of these attacks. Um, so again, I think uh, I'd like if people had more faith in governments mm. and more faith in people. But unfortunately, as we've seen through some of these fights, you're right. Sometimes people just can't be, can't be trusted. Yeah, just uh, take a seat, enjoy the flight and <laughs> bite down. Yeah, I do wish we, you know, I wish they'd get, as I said earlier, get rid of the mask mandates on flights. So because you try traveling 10 hours on a plane wearing a mask, it's miserable. Yeah, yeah, it is. All right, uh, I think it's time for your last one. Number. 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 Number one. Five, four, three. Number one. It is, and I'm not sure I got the order of all these right, because I would rather have <laughs> ended with something that was a little more lighthearted. But I've actually finished up with something which is a little bit uh, more serious, which is just I look back at the year that we've covered from a news perspective. And I just I'm so concerned about sort of the rise of autocrats and enemies around the world, um, you know, from China to Russia, um, even the Taliban, uh, that, that these groups or governments and autocrats are in power and most importantly, not afraid worries me so much. And so in turn, it's the rise of autocrats, and it's also combined with a uh, sort of weak response to them. And I feel that the flexing of the muscles that you see at the moment would only be possible if they, because they don't fear the repercussions. And so I think we need we need a, a stronger foreign policy here in the U.S. I think we need to up our sanctions regime, make it very clear that if China does something to Taiwan, they'll get a bloody nose. That if Russia does something in Ukraine, they'll get a bloody nose. We provide the Taiwanese and the Ukrainians with everything they need to defend themselves. Um, but I, I fear that moment has come and gone. You know, we abandoned allies in Afghanistan. We allowed the Taliban, a brutal group, to take over again. And I just wonder whether or not the current administration can pivot so that it doesn't send anything but a very clear message to these groups that there will be repercussions for their actions. And I, I, frankly, I just don't see it at the moment. So it does worry me. You know, you talked about the natural disasters. And then I, the way I see the, um, you know, the rise of autocracy and these, uh, you know, terror groups and and autocrats. I think more needs to be done to stop them. And I, I hope that 2022 sees the end of a weak response and the beginning of a new, more coordinated uh, policy to address it. Yeah. Well, even just this week, uh, kind of going off of what you mentioned, Biden has faced a lot of criticism for the conversations last week with President, Russian President Vladimir Putin also had conversations with Ukraine's President Vladimir Zelensky. And there are critics who are saying he just did not give a harsh enough warning about the rallying of troops that we're seeing there at the border between those two countries. And of course, other leaders, the G7 leaders they met talking just about that supporting Ukraine. We'll have to see if that line is hard enough, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. So, Alex, what's your last one? We've been building up to this. What's it going to be? <laughs> last one is much less serious. But uh, one thing I would like to leave behind in 2021 are face masks with a face painted on them. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes, totally. Okay, I so agree with you more. <laughs> let me explain. I know people are trying to sometimes get a laugh out of others, um, but I do think a lot of it is getting a reaction. I think we can leave that behind. 
One thing I think is heartwarming here in London, as I know you know, when people get on public transportation, the loudspeaker tells them, please wear your mask, but be considerate that if someone else is not wearing a mask, they could have some underlying condition that prevents them from doing so. So please have some consideration for those issues that you might not be able to visually see. And I do think even though it's a small sentence, it goes a long way versus having people wearing masks that have the face painted on. It's almost instigating behavior, trying to create a problem as opposed to just creating more compassion with strangers that we're sitting next to. What what then, uh, as a follow-up question, is your favorite mask? <laughs> favorite mask. So my dad continually wears this bulldog mask. It's the face of a dog with its tongue hanging out. And at first I kept rolling my eyes, telling him not to wear it, but it makes people smile. And even if it's behind their mask, you can see that they're smiling with their eyes. That's always a good thing. Well, uh, I would have to say favorite mask, no mask. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, unless absolutely required. Um, Alex, it's been such a pleasure uh, chatting for you. I think this is actually the first time we've spoken since I moved away from London and you, and, uh, you moved over to London, So It has uh, been. So congratulations again. And to you as well. And, Thank uh, you. I have a wonderful Christmas. Are you going to be in uh, in London? I'll be in London. Wonderful. Well, will you be coming back to London yourself? I will. I'll be coming back briefly to pick up my family and then you know, that's happening. Wow! How wonderful. Um, and I just suppose to everyone listening at home, thank you for joining us. I'm sure that this list could have been a lot longer from all of us. <laughs> I'm sure at home you've also got your own. So I know I was mentioned social media earlier but if you do have any ideas put them down send them our way uh we'd love to do a follow-up and uh, and see what really has been um you know what you've wanted to see left behind this year that would be a great idea following up on what our viewers and our listeners want to leave behind and we can pick some of the top five of those yeah so look thank you everyone for listening please subscribe rate and review this podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify or at foxnewspodcast.com let us know your top five things that you want to leave behind in 2021 you've been listening to fox top five on the fox news podcast network thank you for joining me and alex hogan i hope we get to do it again soon Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com.